And I said, Lord, we, uh, we just thank you for joy. We thank you for laughter. Um, and we just thank you that, yeah, we can... Um, we can just have fun in your house. And Lord, right now, I want to pray that um, what's going on for the teenagers um, out there, Lord, that that food represents something so much more, Lord, and that, um, yeah, there's just good relationships built. I want to pray. I want to pray boldly that we see salvations uh, in kids' life this morning, that kids respond um, to the good news of your love um, because of what they heard. Uh, Lord, I just want to pray for... Um, for those who are joining online or those who are in the room right now, Lord, I just pray that in this moment you just still our hearts and still our minds. Any distractions that we may have, we just pray that they're left aside, God, and we can just be present. God, I pray that I am quickly forgotten, Lord. But I pray that it's your word, it's your truth that permeates our heart forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I um, I used to catch a bus to school, um, and and um, I feel really sorry for school bus drivers because they have the two worst times with kids. Um, they have first thing in the morning when kids are really cranky, um, and then at the end of school when kids are even more cranky. Like they're kind of the two worst things. And you know, being a um, being being different bus drivers, we would see them come and go. But there was this one bus driver who um, you couldn't escape his personality. Like, you know, every day it would be headphones on, heads down, you'd walk onto the bus and you'd go find your allotted seat. But this bus driver named Paulie, every single time someone walked on that bus, it was like it was his mission to give them a personal greeting. And so every kid that walked on the bus, he'd be like, here you go, champion, get on here. Oh, someone's in PE. What a good day. Oh, and just everyone that got on the bus, Paulie would just greet them and on their way out he's like who's ready to learn see you in a few hours and like it was just this crazy thing but what was fascinating was how different the the bus dynamics were the days that Paulie was the bus driver Paulie left a mark on that bus and every day that he was our bus driver you just know something was different something was a little bit more light and Paulie was just he had this ability to just disarm grumpy teenagers and actually make us happy and filled with joy what a guy but I said to him one day, I went down the front of the bus, I said, hey, Paulie, I, I need to know, why, why do you do this? Like, why, why are you so nice to everyone? Um, and he, he was quite a rough person, and so I'll clean up his dialogue so I keep my job. But he said um, something along the lines of, um, I like to do it um, because it winds people up. I like being nice because it annoys them more than if I just ignore them. And I, I kind of was like, not bad, Paulie, not bad. But um, I said, surely there's something more to it than that. Surely there's something more to it than that. And, um, and then Paulie proceeded to tell me, he said, look, he said, the reason I do it is I want more people at my funeral. He goes, everything I do, he goes, I just want a big funeral. He goes, everyone that I meet, I just want them to be at my funeral. And I thought, here's a guy who every conversation that he has, he wants to leave a mark on the people he's encountered. Every person that he bumps into, from the grumpy teenagers on the bus in the morning, everyone he bumps into, he wants to leave his mark on them. And it's kind of got me thinking this week as, as I was preparing for this message and I was asking God, uh, hey, God, what are you wanting to say? We've got a bit of an opportunity just sort of to let fly. God, what do, you want, what, do you want, what do you want us to hear this morning? And I just felt God ask me that question. What mark are you leaving on the people you encounter? And so I want to ask you this morning, what's the mark that you're leaving on the people that you um, encounter? Whether it's at the grocery store, whether it's your family, whether it's your colleagues, what mark are you leaving on the people that you encounter. You see, I think we need to be really careful to assume that we're leaving a positive mark. 
Uh, recently, um, I ate quite a large amount of humble pie. I was at a, um, I was at a wedding um, with um, Sophie. Um, we were down in Melbourne and we were celebrating. Um, my oldest friend uh, was getting married. It was a really, really nice day. And um, we're at the reception. It was a really, really nice day. And, you know, I got to mingle with some of my old friends. And Sophie's like, wow, you are different. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I am. I've changed a lot. And so we're sitting at this table and and this guy um, turns to me, uh, turns to his girlfriend, he goes, babe, babe, this is the guy. And he was a little bit on the jungle juice, so he was, he was quite excited about this. And, um, and I'm thinking, all right, like we've got some good stories to tell about Jason, the legend of Jason Mountjoy, here it is. And he's like, this is the guy, this is the guy. And I'm like, yeah, here we go. And then he goes, he's the guy who traumatized me through primary school. And I was like, oh, he goes, yeah, babe, he was the guy, the guy that told me that I had no teeth and that, you know, he called me sharky and gummy. That's the guy. He traumatized me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this has taken a really, really dark turn. And so all of a sudden I'm sitting there. Here I was thinking I'd left this positive mark on on all these people in Seymour. And this person saying to me, you know, he was the one who traumatized me. He was kind of laughing about it. And I like, I just started apologizing. I'm like, I am so embarrassed that I said that. I hand over my heart I don't even have any recollection doing it that's the worst bit and so he I was like I'm so sorry like I, you know I would never say that now and I'm trying to apologize I'm apologizing and Sophie's there scratching her head going have I made a mistake marrying him and you know like this there's, there's all these things going on I'm embarrassed and then um and then he turns me he's like no nah, man it's fine it's not like you're a priest now or something <laughs> and I was like I'm out let's go Sophie Going to get Maccas? No. Um, and then we actually had a laugh. I said, well, kind of, mate. This makes it more awkward. But anyways, but it, it was quite interesting. We had a bit of a giggle and, and, you know, we sort of chatted a little bit more about work and he, you know, he asked some different questions about what I did and it was all okay. But, but it just reminded me that so often I think we think that we're leaving good marks, but sometimes we're not. So I want to ask you again, when you, when you walk down the shops... As you see that person pushing the trolleys through the car park, as someone cuts you off in your car, you know, as you go to pay for something, as you, you talk to the people in your workplace, that person who, you know, you don't really like, the one that, you know, they know they can read body language, what kind of a mark are you leaving on them? So it's actually quite a confronting question for us to ask. And those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ, I think it's really dangerous for us to assume that we're always leaving positive marks on people. And so I actually think what we need to do is we need to go to the greatest source to look at the person who throughout humanity left the greatest mark on all of humanity. The one who was, whose autobiography, if we want to call that for the sake of this conversation, whose autobiography has sold so many copies that they've literally taken it off the bestsellers list. That's Jesus. That's the Bible. The story of Jesus captivates people because he left a mark on humanity like no one else has. I'm always amazed when someone says to me, they're like, Jesus was a good bloke. I fully believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in God. And I'm like, to some degree, I can kind of, I can reason with you, but I'm like, listen to what Jesus says. But even people who don't believe in God believe that Jesus was a good person. He left his mark on society. So if we're looking for someone, a reference point for us to go, well, what kind of a mark should we be leaving on the people in our world? There is no greater reference point than the life of Jesus. And if you don't believe me, just read one of the four Gospels. Just read it slowly, a chapter a day. And I guarantee by the end of that, you will read of a man who left his mark on society in a way that society was changed forever. 
So what we're going to do now is we're, going to, we're not going to read through all of the Gospels. Don't worry. Take a breather. Whew, that would be fun. Side note, our youth ministry has just about finished reading through Mark's gospel altogether. And it's just been so beautiful just that we get to do that as teenagers and hearing how God is speaking to kids. God's word's alive. It's good. Anyways, focus, Jason. So I have a real problem. I, I bounce back and forth quite a lot. So what does Jesus say about, about this, about leaving our mark? What, what, what kind of approach does Jesus have when we think about leaving our mark and following the life of Jesus? What's the one thing that it kind of like Jesus prioritizes above all else? Well, in Mark's gospel, and actually apparently I said in the first service in Luke's gospel, but it's in Mark's gospel, um, in Mark 12, um, 28 to 31, there's this conversation where someone actually asks Jesus this, like, what is it? Like, what's your final statement? Like, what... What can you borrow it all down to? And so this person says, his teacher says, um, he was listening to a bait and he realized that Jesus had answered well. And so he asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? And Jesus, um, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And then the, the teacher then goes on to say, well, well done, Jesus. Like, you're right. That's correct. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know. Like, good job. I'm Jesus. But then he gives this guy a pat on the back and he says, mate, the kingdom of God is near to you. Because this guy understands that in this moment, it's not about this head knowledge. It's not about valuing all of these different rules. But it's about the posture of our hearts towards God and towards humanity. See, as Jesus said this, these people ruled by, by saying there was over 600 laws and you had to obey every single one of them to make sure that you were high and mighty. And then in this moment, Jesus flips on his head and he says, no, no, just these two simple commandments. If you can do these two simple commandments, then you are going to be okay. And it's love God and then love your neighbor as yourself. So how did Jesus do it? Like, how did Jesus, I mean, like, you know, like, as he says that, what did Jesus actually do? When we look at the life of Jesus, and as I say, we've been reading through Mark's gospel um, with our youth, and I love reading through the gospels and trying to find different themes. Like, you know, sometimes I like to read about, like, you know, how Jesus rested or how he sought time with God, and, and I've been really fascinated just to see how Jesus has prioritized people as I've read through it. And that's one of the things that Jesus did that I really think made his legacy last so much longer, and this mark on humanity was changed forever because of that. And it's because he prioritized people. You see, as you read through the Gospels, you read of someone who found the people that the rest of society had chewed up, they'd spat out, and they'd left out there for dead. Jesus goes out and he prioritizes them. Think about the people in the Gospels that Jesus goes and finds. The man who was pushed out into a cave because no one wanted anything to do with him. They were all too scared because he was possessed. So they pushed him out, they locked him in a cave, and they're like, that's someone else's problem. And then Jesus comes on and goes, I, you're my problem. I want to prioritize you. And then Jesus heals this man in this moment. Think about the woman who was caught at the well. A woman who wanted to be anonymous, who didn't want to be known, who lived a life of shame. Jesus prioritized this lady in this moment. And he left her mark on her. And then we read in the Gospels that she then ran back to town and started telling everyone about how amazing Jesus was. Because he left his mark on her. Because Jesus prioritizes people. Think about the disciples. You want to talk about, I would not prioritize those kind of people if I was trying to like, you know, create like a world army. 
He had some dodgy people in there. He had a freedom fighter. Or, you know, could loosely be interpreted as a terrorist. He had someone who was a tax collector. He had thieves. He had dropkick fishermen. They weren't really the cream of the crop. But Jesus prioritized those people. Why? Because Jesus wasn't swayed by stuff. He wasn't impressed by the things that we're impressed by as humanity. Jesus wasn't impressed by the same things that we were impressed by. So I want to ask you the question, how are you prioritizing the people in your life? How are you prioritizing the people in your life? When we talk about leaving our mark, how are you prioritizing the people in your life? Or another way, another way of looking at this, asking this question is, who are our neighbors? Who are our neighbors? Who's are those around us? And I love this. Bob Goff, who's someone who completely understands the concept of love God and love others. But Bob Goff says this wonderful quote. He says, we call it earth, but God just calls it a really big neighborhood. And so when we ask this question, who are our neighbors? It's everyone. It's the people in here. It's the people who, who are with us on earth. So if we're asking the question, who are, the, who are our neighbors? They're the ones that are in front of us. So I really think that when we begin to prioritize people, we really see something shift. We really see hearts soften. We really see people begin to open up and be shocked that someone would prioritize them, that someone would actually see value in them. They'll begin to ask questions. They may never ask you the question, but they'll ask them inside. They'll ask a friend. They might ask you. But I think if we as followers of Christ, we as believers in Christ can prioritize people, I think we can really see the kingdom of God advanced here on earth. And last year, um, when we were on um, Red Frogs, which is this wonderful ministry which serves um, kids while they're on their schoolies week, um, having a grand old time, we serve them pancakes, we clean up their vomit, we walk them home, we make sure they're safe, and we do that in the hope that we get to show them the light and the love of Christ. And so one night we were there, it was about 1.45 in the morning and the kebab shop closed at 2 and so we had to, had to get to that kebab shop and so we defrogged so then, you know, no one bothered us in that moment and we're sitting there and, you know, as you're eating regret with every mouthful of a kebab at 1.45 in the morning going, this is like hot lead in my guts already and, and we're eating this and um, a fairly um, well-lubricated young teenager comes over to us and... Um, and he says, anyone got any money? I, I just need a couple of bucks. And we're like, oh, no. And so we all start looking away because we're like, you know, we're defrog. Like, this isn't a part of who we are. Like, we're just people just wanting to eat regret at 1.45 in the morning. And this kid's like, anyone got any money? And he's sort of going around. He's a, little, he's a chirpy fella. Like, there was nothing wrong with him. But he just wanted a couple of dollars. We couldn't work out whether it was to get him home or to get him food or what it was. And we're all sort of avoiding eye contact. And then one of the people in our group just walks over to him and says, hey, mate, what do you want? Like, what do you want? What can I buy you? And he goes, nah, 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 I don't, nah, I don't want anything. He goes, nah, nah, what kebab do you want? He's like, you serious? And then he's like, yeah, sure. So he goes over, he buys him this kebab. The guy's like, I'll pay you back, I'll pay you back. And, you know, use some app, weird app or something where you can transfer money online. It sounded so dodgy. We were like, it's okay. But, but as he's talking to this kid, the kid begins to say, well, why did you do this? Why would you buy some drunk teenager a kebab at 2 o'clock in the morning? Why would you do it? He goes, you're a red frogger, aren't you? And he goes, yeah, I am. Like, you know. He goes, why do you do it? And he goes, well, because God loves you. He goes, you see, God loves me and he loves me and now I want to share that love with you and I want you to know that God loves you. 
It was like this kid in this moment. The kebab was the gateway to his heart. And then all of a sudden, there's this beautiful conversation unfolding. We find out this kid was like all he really knew about God was the, the term, the swear word. And that was really all he'd ever known about God. And so here we are having this beautiful conversation with this young person about, about what it means to, to be a Christian and be loved by God. And at the end of the night, the, the friend that I was with who started up all of this conversation goes, Hey, mate, give me your phone. Um, he goes, I don't know what kind of estate you're in. I don't know how much of this conversation you're going to remember. Um, but I'm going to put my name and my number in your phone. And tomorrow morning, I want you to give me a phone call. Um, if you have any questions, I just want you to feel free to give me a call and we'll catch up again. And I just thought, isn't this such a beautiful thing? Isn't this the kind of stuff that Jesus would do? prioritize his people. You know, if I was to be honest, church, I would get really frustrated if I went for a walk to surface paradise with Jesus because I reckon he would stop and talk to so many people. I really do. But that should actually concern me. That should make me do a bit of a heart check and ask me, am I prioritizing people or just the things of this world? It's a bit of a confronting question to ask. And this sort of leads me on to my second point. How did Jesus do this? Well, he wasn't swayed by stuff. See, Jesus wasn't swayed by the stuff that we're swayed by. See, I think right now the world that we're living in, it says for us to consume, to, to gain, to build, to have, to want, to you know, make a list, to do all of these things. But if we actually read about the life of Jesus, he wasn't swayed by stuff. Jesus is never swayed by stuff. You know, actually, when we think about it, he, he was quite against stuff. There was a rich young ruler who went to Jesus and was able to recite all the scripture, all the laws, do all of the right things. And Jesus said, mate, you're, you're absolutely right. Sell everything you've got and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And what Jesus was saying in that moment is, I actually don't care about any of your stuff. I care about the posture of your heart. You see, Jesus, he, he wasn't swayed by stuff. In fact, when he sent out his disciples on their first mission, their first outreach moment, what did he say to them? Pack everything you possibly can. No, he said, go with nothing. Go knocking on the doors. Rely on the people. Rely on relationships. Prioritize people. You know, Jesus was so anti-stuff that actually when some of the Christians of the time were selling stuff in his courtyard of his temple, I don't know if we know this, but Jesus got a little bit cranky in that moment. He might have turned a couple of tables over. Because he was saying, no, no, you're actually worshipping stuff in the place that you should be worshipping God. See, Jesus wasn't swayed by stuff. And I'm not here roasting on consumables. I think consumables are great. Consumables aren't a bad thing. But when they become all-consuming, that's when it's a problem. When all of a sudden the journey, I mean the destination becomes more important than the journey or the people around us. When all of a sudden gaining things becomes more important than the people around us. When we're so lost in what's on the screen in front of us that we can't even see what is going on around us. We have ourselves a problem. See, Jesus wasn't swayed by stuff. And then lastly, when we, when we look at the Look at the life of Jesus and the way that he left his mark on humanity. The greatest way that Jesus did this is by loving unconditionally. The way that Jesus loved unconditionally, as I said, please, if you've never read through a gospel before, please just read through Matthew, Mark, Luke or John and just read the story. 
read of what Jesus came to do for his people and you see this unconditional love just weaved all throughout it and it's truly life-changing. But the secret source to Jesus' like Jesus' mark on humanity was simply that he showed unconditional love to everyone. Didn't matter who it was, warts and all. God didn't care about your stuff. Jesus didn't care about your stuff. He cared about you. And he showed unconditional love to each and every person that he encountered. And it's so unconditional. It's so beautiful. It's so authentic that Jesus freely hands out his forgiveness and his grace to anyone who wants to respond to it. Just think about the ramifications of that, that all we have to do is invite Jesus into our heart to repent of our sins, to say, hey, I no longer want to live a life that I was once living, but I actually want to live with a life focused on Jesus. I want to walk and journey with Jesus, and that's that. Church, that should be life-changing. That should be, as Christians, the kind of thing that's life-changing for us. That should be the kind of good news, this, this beautiful Beautiful, unconditional love should be the kind of thing that makes us get out of the bed in the morning and say, what mark am I going to leave on the people that I encounter today? As I walk through my workplace, am I going to see problems? Am I going to see people to stand on? Am I actually going to see in these people the image of God? Am I going to show God's creation that they were created by God? As I walk through the shopping center, am I going to seek opportunities to shine a bit of light, to show people a bit of love as we walk through the shopping center? We're going to begin to leave a mark on humanity that isn't one that's filled with regret and embarrassment at a wedding where you find yourself apologizing for things that you said in primary school. But is our life going to be one where the mark that we leave is the mark of Christ? For those of you who have been marked by Christ, you've been marked by Christ. What are you doing about it? What's your world look like? What mark are you leaving on the people around you? A little while ago, um, I was... uh, I was at the shops, and this is, it it sounds like I'm a very romantic person, but I'm really not. But for like the one of about three times in my life, I bought Sophie flowers. Sophie doesn't like flowers, just to clarify. So I'm not a bad person. But anyways, I'm I'm looping. Focus, Jason. And I I bought Sophie flowers, and as I walked out, um, there was this uh, elderly lady who comes up to me as I'm walking out with these flowers. I'm so proud of myself because I knew where flowers were in the shops. And as I walk out, and she says to me, oh, are they for me? And I, I kid you not, I had this voice in my head that said, say yes. And I didn't. And it kills me. Like, think about that. You want to talk about how we can leave our mark on society. Here's a lady, this elderly, elderly lady who gave me this beautiful opening for conversation. All it was was flowers. They weren't that expensive. I'm a cheapskate. But here I am. Sophie knows that too. It's all right. She does love me. But here I am, I miss these opportunities all the time. But what I've found over years and years of constantly fumbling and failing and falling short is that when I step out in faith, when I have those bold moments and I go, no, this is the moment where I want to leave a mark, 
This is the moment where I want to show the unconditional love of Christ. This is the moment where I want to prioritize people over stuff. I just want to see God move. And it is beautiful and it is real and it stirs something up in my heart and it fills me with a belief. And so church, my encouragement would be if you call Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior, if you've invited Christ into your heart, then there should be no excuse why you aren't striving to leave Christ's mark on other people. Well, when you walk through your workplace, as you walk through home, as you walk down the streets, as you're engaging with people, as you're seeing your neighbors, the people in your life strive to leave the mark of Christ on their life because that is the mark that will change them forever. What I'm going to do now um, is we're just going to pray and then we're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit. We're going to see what God has to say because I really get a sense the Holy Spirit saying, just stop talking. Let's just wait and then let's just see. Um, so let's close our eyes now. Uh, let's bow our heads and we're just going to wait and just see um, what the Holy Spirit says. going to keep our eyes closed. We're going to keep our heads down. And um, online, if this uh, stirs something in you, I just encourage you to reach out to one of the host team online. Um, but I, I really have a sense that um, we're going to keep our eyes closed. We're going to keep our heads down just to uh, really respect what God is doing in this moment. But I get a sense there's, um, there's some people in here um, today who, when we say um, around loving your neighbor as yourself, there's almost this response that says, well, I don't love myself. So how am I meant to love other people? And there's some people here who that's, that's a, a struggle that they have, whether, it's, whether you're online or here in the room. Um, and so we're going to keep our eyes closed. We're going to keep our heads down. Um, but if that's you, if you're actually struggling to love yourself, so you feel like you've actually got nothing to give other people, you're struggling to love yourself, I just really get a sense that the Holy Spirit just wants to rest on you. And so if that's you, could you just put your hand up? We're going to keep our eyes closed. We're going to keep our heads down. If that's you, if you're struggling to love yourself and because of that you just feel like you've got nothing to give to other people. We're going to keep our eyes closed. Thank you to those people who are putting out your hands. So Lord, I want to pray for those people. God, right now, Holy Spirit, whether they're online or they're in the room here, Lord, I just pray that right now your spirit just falls upon them, that you just begin to speak truths into their heart. God, let them know that they, they are your masterpiece, that you created these people in your image. God, I just pray that your love just pours out over those people. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.